Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to Apply Filters, episode 56. Today, Brad and I are going to discuss background processing. Background or batch processing uh, is something that a lot of times you'll use if you need to perform a large database upgrade, migrate some data, change some, some data, data structure, or do anything that requires a lot of API calls or queries to the database, et cetera, and you need to do it in a way that is hopefully not going to kill a server or prevent a website from running. So Brad, we kind of maybe jump in here and see if we can have a basic discussion on what is batch and background processing. I think we should first put out that there's a lot of different definitions of it. There's a lot of things that are kind of fit the term, maybe others that don't. Um, and so there's no maybe rigid definition of what this is. Yeah, I think uh, we could probably start off by kind of just visualizing like a, a process that you might run. So uh, don't you don't you have a, a process in uh, easy digital, digital downloads that you guys did recently where you updated a bunch of user accounts or something, wasn't it? We do. Um, we actually have a couple. Uh, so one that we did recently is we introduced a, a recount tool that allows you to go in and either reset or recalculate earnings and sales stats for products and customers. Um, and so one of them goes through and reconnects purchase records if, if they're missing or if stats are incorrect for all of your customers. Right. Um, so does that show a progress a bar or yeah. anything like that? So, so this one is a user or site administrator initiated action, and then it will display a progress bar as it proceeds. So this is maybe a little bit more of what we might call like a batch process as opposed to a background processing because it's something that it shows a status. Um, and I think this is maybe an important distinction for us to make. So for that to run, do I have to keep that page open and, and let it run or if yes. I close okay so so basically you're just using Ajax calls or something to to do you know 10 records at a time or something like that right yep yep that's exactly it so like let's say if we have a thousand records we do 10 at a time so we have a hundred batches right um, so that's a good example of batch processing but it's not background processing because right. if I close if I close that thing down, it shuts down the process and you have to start it up again. Um, there, there's a good example of background processing in the WordPress world. If you've um, ever used Search WP from Jonathan Christopher, um, nice. he has a really excellent uh, background processor in there. So when you install this plugin, it creates a database that has an index of all of the content on your site. It can show a progress bar that shows how it's proceeding. But if you close it, it continues on its own. And so it doesn't matter whether you're on the page or if you're even on your website, that process continues to run in the background. And so it, that would be a, a really good example of a background process. Right. That's an excellent example. And I really love the way he shows uh, the progress of that background process. The first time I saw that, I think it's the, it was the first time I'd ever seen a background process in WordPress with a, a UI displaying the progress as well. If it wasn't the first one I've seen, it was the best one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really well done. You should definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah. And the plugin itself is just stellar. So yeah, yeah, we use it. Yeah, I think that pretty much takes it, doesn't it? I mean, I mean that pretty well defines what batch processing is versus background processing. Mm -hmm. 
I think so. Do we have a, um, and maybe this will continue our discussion a bit, but do we have a good example of where WordPress core uses background processing? Yes, and it's a recent example. Um, in WordPress 4.3, WordPress 4.3 had term splitting, so I won't get into it. We talked about the taxonomy roadmap on the show before and splitting terms and all that stuff. So in 4.3, they have a background process that goes through, finds any shared terms, and then splits them. That thing uses uh, WPCron, uh, and it's got like a locking mechanism so that it won't like it won't queue up a bunch of uh, background processes. So that's a, that's a background process introduced in four point three to like let's say that you have ten thousand terms in your database and five thousand of them are shared. It's going to go through and do ten terms at a time, and this process will continue to run in the background until all the shared terms are split. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, that would be 500 times in that case. So it could take a very long, quite a long time for it to run, um, especially if it's a low traffic site that hasn't been configured uh, to run cron every you know minute or five minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, so if if this is using cron, what's the difference between say um, maybe we should have a quick discussion on this? So a cron job is not exactly a background process. It is in a way that in terms of its background. So maybe what's the relation or different distinction between a cron job that just happens to run behind the scenes and this particular background processing? Yeah, I don't. We were talking about this before the show, and I'm starting to think that it, the original position I took is that well, it's a scheduled task. It's not really a background process because a background process you know needs to kind of run at length and it's kind of like a one-time thing uh, but really i mean it's kind of it's a process that runs in the background still <laughs> so i don't maybe a a distinction that we could make is that background processing at least in 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 the realm of say like upgrading databases or performing a lot of queries um is kind of like a one-time thing in that we have a set of data and we need to perform some kind of manipulation on it and once we've gone through all the data, we're done and we don't need to run this again. So it's not something that's going to run every single day forever. It's going to run until it's completed and then we're done. Yeah, I guess you could, someone might argue also, though, that like uh, if you schedule a post in WordPress, that it's really it's just going to run that one time to publish that post. So it's kind of it kind of is like a background process, too. So I don't know. Yeah, it's there's a, definitely some overlap. Yeah, I don't know if there is a distinction or not, but the background processing in in core that's in there now for term splitting is it's kind of interesting the way they did it. So it does like a batch of ten uh, shared, like it looks for ten shared terms. Uh, if it doesn't find any, then it just sets some flags that it's already done the term splitting, and and then it cleans up a, a couple of uh, things that it's stuck into the. Uh, options table, so it cleans that up. Uh, but if it does find some shared terms, it'll split those, and then it'll schedule WPCron to run again in two minutes. Um, so in your uh, your example, you said 5,000 shared terms, uh, doing 10 at a time, so that's 500 times it would need to run. So to that's that's a thousand minutes so if, i don't know how many hours that is 
that's quite a few. And that's only if WPCron is configured to run, you know, every two minutes, right? It could, if WPCron isn't set up to run every two minutes, it, it could take even longer than that. Yeah. So, so on an on a, on a active site that has um, consistent traffic throughout the day, it could take up to 16, 24 hours um, if you have approximately that many terms. Right. Which, which for this, for this particular example is perfectly fine because, you know, splitting terms is not high on people's priorities. <laughs> right. It's, priorities. it's not something that has to happen immediately. Exactly. Uh, so, so this uses the WP Cron system. Is there any, I mean, I think most WordPress developers know that WP Cron is notoriously finicky and not necessarily for any fault of WP Cron. It's just because of the way the system works and because of a huge huge number of less than stellar hosting systems out there, it can be a little bit unreliable. Do you think there's disadvantages to relying on WP Cron for a background process like this? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there is. I mean, maybe you should explain, do you want to quickly explain like the problems with WP Cron and, and, and how basically, basically how it works like in its default state and then how you can configure it to maybe be a bit more dependable. Yep. Okay. So, why don't we let's first cover really quickly how cron itself works on a server normally cron is a scheduled task system so that let's say you want to run an action every single hour so what happens is the server knows that you want to run that task and it executes it um, from the it executes the task from the server um, and many times that's simply calling a url um, and it executes it and it's initiated by the server itself um, which is very very important that's how standard cron works. WP cron doesn't have the ability to, um, or there, there's limitations on setting up a true cron job in a server. So it has a kind of roundabout way of doing it. What it has is basically when you schedule a cron, a cron event with through WP cron, it stores that event in the database with a timestamp. And it says, this is the time that it should execute. Then every single site, every single time your site is loaded by a visitor, uh, WordPress goes and looks to see, do I have any scheduled events that need to occur? So it queries the database and says, okay, I have a scheduled event that needs to happen right now. Let's run it. Right. Or, except, except if you have a low traffic site. Right. And, and so and here's where the problem comes in. <laughs> Let's say, for example, that you schedule an event at 5.30 p.m. tomorrow. However, your tra your site is low traffic, so your the first visitor loads your site at seven thirty p.m. the next day. Because there was no traffic to it to trigger the cron to run at five thirty, the cron job gets missed. What happens then is at seven thirty, WordPress says, "Oh, look, I missed this event. Let's go ahead and fire it. It's better to run it two hours late than to not run it at all." So this is the reason that uh, scheduled posts in WordPress are notoriously unreliable for scheduling exactly when you want them if you have a low traffic site. If you have a high traffic site, it works pretty well because, I mean, as, if you have people loading your site every minute or every couple of minutes, most of the time you can rely on WP Cron pretty well for things like that. Um, so one of the ways that people fix WP Cron is they set up a true Cron job on their server that fires an actual request to the wpcron.php file every five minutes or every 10 minutes or every minute or something like that. So it simulates a request to load the site, which then fires off the scheduled event system in WordPress. Yeah. And that, that usually works pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
there, so there's another problem with WP cron in its default state. So without setting the server cron job, and, and that is uh, if you're if you have a really high traffic site, and let's say like a cron cron needs to run, uh, and three people hit it at exactly the same time, that cron will run three times, <laughs> right? Because it because the locking mechanism. If, if three people hit it at exactly the same time, the lock hasn't been set for those three requests. And so it actually will fire the cron three times. Um, so that's a huge problem uh, on high traffic sites as well. Uh, and, and I mean, huge problem for your server too, if you have three processes uh, running uh, that really should only be one running. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think that might be a problem here as well because the term splitting is using uh, WPCron. I, I don't. They do have a locking mechanism, but I don't see how a race condition would be avoided. I, I took a quick look at the code. It's, it looks to me like it could end up spawning like three three instances of of. Um, like if three people hit at the same time, it could it could try to split the same terms three times. But I think that would probably be okay. Like yeah, I would. I, th I think that would be okay. And I I would guess that in terms of like the the decision for how the term splitting was done is that it it's a a minimal enough risk that it's okay. Um, like it's something to be very aware of if you are relying on. WP cron or similar to perform very, very important actions. So one example of that would be like if you are processing payments through cron, like if you are if you need to initiate a charge or something like that through an API, um, be very careful about using cron or something like that because of the possibility that you might create duplicates or run into a race condition because of high traffic. Race conditions are a whole lot of fun. Oh yeah. Uh, I just I can't wait till the next one. <laughs> I, first of all, I mean we're kind of you know poking holes in in WordPress four point three and their decision to use WP Cron for this background processing. But I want to be clear, like those guys, I mean dealing with term splitting and all the taxonomy stuff and fixing that up. The last thing they needed on their plate was to like design a background processing system for WordPress core. Like that was obviously this this works what they've come up with and and that's all that matters uh, so so yeah just i, I want to be clear as well that i i think it, they did an excellent job with it it's just i but i do think it is important that we do recognize that there are there are potential problems with it mostly if we're going to use it as a model for how to do big and reliable background processing right right i mean yeah exactly i mean a lot of people look at wordpress core for um for, as a model for doing things a certain way. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say that that is not necessarily a good way to do background processing <laughs> uh, for every situation. Um, in fact, I would say, I'm pretty confident in saying it's, it is not a good way for every situation. It worked in this case, but but for other so cases, it would be bad. Why don't bad. we use this as a, um, a point to go ahead and um, diverge a little bit and kind of discuss what would a good background processing system look like? What are the um, the characteristics of it? How do you do it, et cetera? I know this is something that you guys have done a lot recently with your work in WP Offload S3. Why don't we go through quickly and look at um, kind of how you guys did it, and, um, how it works, and then also maybe consider like, let's 
maybe quickly discuss what it would look like if a standard system was built into WordPress core that would allow other plugins to extend it and to, to utilize background processing in core instead of rolling their own. But maybe first we should define, like, look at what is a good background process. So the reason we need it is um, we, for our plugin WP Offload S3, it has to go through all of your content and update the URLs to your media files to replace them with the URL to the file on S3 uh, or CloudFront or some other CDN. So basically we're doing a find and replace on all your content. And if you have thousands of posts, which lots of people do, uh, you don't really want to be sitting there uh, watching the screen and waiting for that to, do, to happen, right? You want that to happen in the background and, and you, so that you can continue with your work. Uh, actually wrote a blog post uh, recently and and I'll actually put out a library that's pretty easy to reuse in your own projects uh, to to do uh, background processing in word uh, in your WordPress plugins uh, and themes it's uh, inspired by Laravel uh, and other PHP frameworks and the way they do background processing uh, and also TechCrunch has a uh, library called uh, WP Asynchronous Tasks. And uh, so that was uh, some of the inspiration came from that as well. And the goals for, for, for the library or, you know, for the library that we're using in, in WP Offload S3 uh, is it for it to be uh, efficient, reliable, and it ha but it has to be compatible uh, with WordPress's minimum system requirements. So like it can't exceed like the minimum memory. So I think it's like 40 me megs, right, uh, of memory. So it has to be able to work at like with very little uh, system resources, but also be efficient and reliable. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge. And uh, so, so one of the big things is that there's no batching. So, so we're not doing batch processing. What we do is we look at how much memory we can use, and we use that much, <laughs> and we look at uh, and we we set the limit of the process execution time. So most web servers are configured for at least thirty seconds. So they'll they'll process PHP for thirty seconds before killing it. Uh, so we've set just to be safe, we've set the the limit to twenty seconds. So this thing will run for 20 seconds and use, you know, uh, as much memory as it can. And then, and then uh, it will fire off a, an asynchronous uh, request to run the next one right away. So it's basically like, it's kind of like a chain, right? So it's like run, 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 and then fire off the next request and then stop that, stop that one. And then the, the next one kind of picks up where the other one left off. And, uh, you know, so it's one process at a time, but it's this kind of chain thing. And we are using, so if this chain like gets disrupted, like say someone decides to reboot the server while this chain is happening, <laughs> right? It, it'll stop, right? It, because it relies on um, the process finishing and then firing off the next one. What so, if you needed to resume a process in that case? Is there a way to handle that in your guys, in what you've built? So yeah, we've, we've, built a, a WP cron health check basically that just you know every I don't know what it's set to but every so often it uh, it just checks to see if the process is kind of hanging and if it is then it fires it back up so it's kind of like a 
they have something uh, in Linux. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, though. It's a similar thing because, you know, Nginx or Apache or whatever, these processes, they crash too, right? Sometimes they, they die. And so they, there's this, like, daemon process that just kind of monitors these other processes to see if they die. And if they do die, they just it boots them right back up. So it's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. So that's kind of how our, our system works, and it's been working really well for us so far. Um, Do you have any uh, data on what maybe the largest amount of data that you've processed is through it? I don't think so. No, I don't have any idea of that. I mean, no, I'd just be guessing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I know I know some people that have used our plugin have pretty huge sites. Like, for example, Bloomberg is one of our customers, right? Um, pretty large site. You, you, yeah, they they have a few properties. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the guy says like, well, yeah, we have a few different multi-site installs that we're using it on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Because they, I mean, that's a massive media company. I, I can't imagine how much, you know. It's got to be massive. Me, how big their media libraries are and stuff, you know. It, it must be huge. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I think. I mean, it's, if looking at that library um, that, that Ashley wrote, um, it's, it's very reusable for sure. Do you think that that is a good candidate for what something perhaps in core would, could potentially look like? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think we could definitely um, propose this. I don't know how to go about it necessarily, though, because this is kind of something that doesn't really work well as a feature plugin, right? Where Because it, really what we need is we need plugin developers to use this, right? Like we need We need them to be using it and them to try it. So basically integrating it into their products. So it's better served, I think, as a library and people, I mean, I guess they could, if we made it a plugin, people could require the plugin, but it's kind of clunky, right? That, you know, when you install your plugin, you also have to install this other plugin. People, people kind of like, that, I think that confuses people sometimes. Like, they're like, why? Why do I need to install this other plugin? So I may be wrong, um, so please correct me if I am, but it looks like, uh, the library WP background processing that Ashley wrote kind of mimics the Heartbeat API in Does WordPress. It? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the Heartbeat API. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, the Heartbeat API is 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 JavaScript running in your browser, though, right? So it's kind of well, right, but it's Java. So it's JavaScript making asynchronous requests to your PHP. It is yes, but it's also. There's no chain there. Like, so JavaScript is running and it'll just, it'll fire and then it'll set another timer and it'll fire. Uh, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like a process that's running in your browser constantly, where this is like a process running and then, okay, fire off the next one and then die. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So it's this, so okay. the chaining, so, the chaining part of it doesn't exist in the heartbeat API. But gotcha. But, so yeah. similar, but definitely a little bit different, especially when you when you think of it in the chaining context. I think I think that is definitely an important distinction. So, do you think that there are concerns, maybe with and, and this was a a big concern that people had when the Heartbeat API was introduced, with developers being negligent with it and causing performance problems in sites? Oh yeah, but 
I guess so. My- and, and maybe like, is that potentially a big enough concern for as a reason to not do it? Or is that just one of those, look, we can't always protect against negligence. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we should stop building a feature. <laughs> that, the, the last one. I'll go with the last okay. one. <laughs> because I, I think like there's like a million and one ways to break WordPress, right? Like, I mean, any irresponsible plugin can break WordPress. I mean, in, in so many different ways. Uh, so So to hold back progress because it might be too dangerous, I mean... I guess, I guess there's probably certain things we probably shouldn't do um, because they're just too, you know, they, they, they leave that door open just a bit too much. Um, but in this case, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think this stuff would be, I, th- I think this would be a lot better served if it was in WordPress core. And here's why. So let's say, let's say my plugin implements background processing, which it does, and yours does too. And you know, WooCommerce does or whatever. So let's say both of your plugins do, Affiliate WP, EDD, and my plugin. So I've got three these three plugins installed on my site. So WP Offload S3 fires a background process, starts a background process, and then yours does as well. And this, and Affiliate, you know, both of yours do, EDD and Affiliate WP. So now there's three background processes running at the same time. I mean, that's... That's not good, right? That could, depending on how it's been implemented, if my plugin isn't isn't watching memory or, you know, you could end up using up too much of the resources, slowing down the site uh, and causing problems. Uh, Whereas if this was like a system that was a centralized system built into WordPress core uh, and I, I kicked off a background process from WP Offload S3, and you kicked one off from EDD, and Affiliate WP did the same all at once, it would be put in a queue, and they would go one after the other, right? And if, if that made the most sense. Yeah, um, I think that's an excellent point where WordPress Core could control the queue from all plugins and make sure that everything is running properly and not killing the server. Whereas if you have three independently, well, EDD doesn't know about S3. Philadelphia so doesn't know about them. I mean, they could potentially know about each other, but because everybody builds things differently, you probably do have a higher risk of conflicts or problems. Yeah, I, th- I think it. I think the current the current state of affairs is bad, right? Because the more plugins that do background processing, the more going to compete, going to be kind of overlapping in their processing, and. Uh, you know, causing problems, stepping, stepping on each other's toes, you know? So I think, uh, I would love to see this, uh, worked on, uh, to get into. Do you think this is something that you might at some point be interested in spearheading and getting into core? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we've done a lot of the legwork already. Um, I think this is going to be something that's going to be very difficult to get into WordPress core, uh, because I mean, it's, to make it reliable, like a hundred, I don't think there is a hundred percent reliability here. Like, I think that's, I think that's going to be, I think it's going to have to be like a kind of good enough scenario, but you know, where is that, where is that point? Like what is good enough to make it into WordPress core? You know, I do think it's going to have to be iterate, iterated upon as well. Um, you know, it's, it's like the system that we've built, it's not flawless by any means. So there's going to have to be, uh, you know, refinement 
going on there. I think it's going to be difficult to do that, though. How could you approach that, right? Like, like I just mentioned the feature plugin thing and how that's not going to really work <laughs> very well. Well, you know, I think that's the same argument that a lot of people are having with the REST API in core. <laughs> and this is a rabbit hole that we should probably maybe avoid. <laughs> but uh, it's basically the argument of, well, do we want to get it perfect before we put it in? Or do we need people to get to start using it and then we can iterate on it? And to get people to use it, one of the only ways to do that is to put it into core. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, a good, that's, I think that's, that's a, a constant good. battle. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even going to say anything about one side or the other because everybody has valid points, but anytime you're discussing a feature, um, and it doesn't matter what kind of feature it is, like you have that discussion. I mean, the, always the easiest way to test a feature is to, well, give it to everybody, see what happens. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the smoothest process, but that's a good point. The point, and I mean, the stuff you just brought up, I mean, I think, like if we just took what we have built, adapted to WP uh, WordPress core and and put it in WordPress core tomorrow and allowed people to start using it and then refined it that way, that's probably not that bad, right? Because I mean, what better way to refine it than to get people using it, right? So to, to play devil's advocate for a moment, I mean, the big reason not to is let's say that you put it in and then you realize you have to change it drastically for one reason or another, but you already have 20 million websites running it. Mm. Well, I mean... That is the problem with scale. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, you would have you would have the 20 million websites that are using a certain plugin that's using it. <laughs> you well, know, right. like I mean, whatever, whatever subset that would be. Right. I mean, obviously, like, whatever the, the numbers are can be, like, I mean, they're going to always be different, but it's still kind of that... The premise of there is a problem when you have such a large scale. Um, the the idea of beta testing live is a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, I think I think a good parallel to this situation is the uh, plugin requirements or plugin dependencies. So like you're you're installing a theme and a theme requires certain plugins, so it lets you know and you can click a button and it downloads. So there's a library out there, uh, TGM plugin activation, I think it's called. It was originally written by Thomas Griffin. That's why TGM stands for Thomas Griffin Media. Um, do, you, do you know about that? Have you looked at that library? I have. Uh, I've, I haven't personally used it in any of my plugins, but I've seen it used many times. Yeah. I think that's a similar situation, right? Because that, I think, would also be a good addition to WordPress core for the ability to have plugins require other plugins or themes require certain plugins. I know it's something that a lot of people have been wanting. But, it, it, but it's a similar situation in that, like, how do you... What what's the process to get that into WordPress core? You know, like how do you how do you get that out there and tested? And you know, it's a it's a difficult one. And this is why we have track tickets that sit for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you think um, maybe as a as a wrap up for for people that are interested in implementing background processes in, in their own plugins? Um, I think we've given them some resources to go off of um, some things to think about. What are perhaps some some quick examples of background processes you should avoid or like things you should not do in a background process. Mm. Do you have any quick examples? Struggling here off the top of my head. I, yeah. Do you? <laughs> uh, the main one that I can think of is um, at least one that you should implement with extreme caution is, is payment processing. 
Um, and my, my only reason for saying that is uh, you have to remember that, like, if you let's say that you're building an e-commerce system or invoicing or anything, whether it's a, a plugin or you're doing it for your own clients or something like that, it's important to remember the the vast differences there are with hosting infrastructures within WordPress and with any ever any any other kind of system that runs on the web. So if you are using any kind of process to like a batch process to process payments or or things like that, things that are very, very important, you have to be ready to account for failure and you have to be, make sure that you've implemented those correctly. One of the advantages that giant merchant processors like Stripe and PayPal have is, well, billions and billions of dollars to build systems that don't fail <laughs> or that have good fail safes. Um, your $7 WordPress host doesn't have those. And I, and I think this applies to anything that you're doing with not just background processing, but really anything in general. Just be cognizant of the idea of failure and how do you handle that. Right. So are you guys, how are you guys doing that? I mean, you guys just released uh, recurring payments uh, add-on for EDD. Um, are you, so you're not doing uh, background processing of payments in that or? Are We're you? not at the moment. We will okay. be in the near future uh, because there are certain payment processors that actually require it. Uh, Amazon payments, for example. Right. Um, oh, I so think we we'll, discussed this a little bit on last episode where we discussed that you, you're letting Stripe and, and PayPal and whoever do. They, the, right. Yeah. They handle the processing and they simply tell us when it's processed. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. But but like you said, there are some processors that don't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that yep. don't do I that. So you're going um, so, to have to. Yeah. With background processing, I would just be make sure that if you're doing something that is very uh, important or touchy, like such as payments, just make sure that you've accounted for when it's going, when it fails or when you have a race condition or things like that. You don't want to suddenly find out that you haven't, you failed to collect $20,000 in payments from customers for the last month or, or that somebody was charged five times because there was a race condition or things like that. Yeah. I think the other thing to look out for is, um, is background processes, uh, I think, are, that are called like zombie processes. They just kind of go on. They kind of get detached from your system somehow, and, and they just go on forever <laughs> or, or a really long time. That's more common like in an operating system environment where things can just kind of keep running. In this case where we're, we're talking about web requests, usually they just die. Eventually they're going to die, right? Unless you have your server configured to kind of run PHP forever, um, <laughs> which I don't think too many hosts uh, do that. But um, if you're on a web host, they're, they're going to kill it. If you have a process that's been running for, for too long, they'll, they'll kill it for you. So, so it, it's not really, I guess it's not that big a concern uh, in this case. But yeah, should we wrap it up? So, yeah, background processing is fun stuff. Um, I, I think for anybody who wants to to dive into it, probably one of the best places to start is the library that Ashley wrote. It's excellent. And if you have any questions, um, feel free to let us know, submit them through Twitter or through the site or find us el elsewhere. want to give a shout out to uh, WordCamp Atlanta, who we are now a sponsor of. So yeah, that's so cool. let's see, when is, when is WordCamp Atlanta happening? It's coming and by up we, here. By we, I mean... Apply Filters is a sponsor of WordCamp Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, this is actually the first time this is this has happened, so this is kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, so it's 
Uh, WordCamp Atlanta is March 18 and 20. So unfortunately, we will not be able to, either one of us will be able to make it there. Uh, but we are happy to help out in any way that we can. So if you're uh, there at WordCamp Atlanta, maybe let us know how it was. It yeah. looks like it's going to be a great event. And enjoy. Yeah. Cool. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Catch you next time. Talk to you later.